Well, Sandy already prayed, but we are thankful for the Word of God. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit and, and the promise of the Father that the Holy Spirit would be here to uh, minister to us. Uh, we talk quite a bit about, I've been thinking, we, we talk quite a bit about uh, dominion, power, and authority. And I, I just felt we need to figure out how to apply all that. You know, we can talk about power and dominion and the fact that we have these things. But today I want to bring that down, how we, u- how we use that. And I'd like to start with Psalm 8, and for those of you that aren't accustomed to this type of teaching, it's always good to have a notepad and write down the scripture. I learned in some basic stuff that when somebody's teaching, you write down the scripture when you hear it, and then go find it in the Bible. That way later you don't say, well, where was that? Where, where was that scripture at? So we're going to go to Psalms 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? him? This is like a question uh, maybe that the angels would have asked. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, which really properly translated is Elohim, the supreme God. So speaking of man... You have made him a little lower than God, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. In verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. So this is a primer on where man fits. Now, obviously, Adam was created into that place, and then man always has had dominion. I mean, we'd like to think it was all through Jesus Christ, and that blood did give us dominion over more things. It gave us dominion, Jesus said, basically over demons and diseases and so on. We do have authority, but man has basically had authority. He could... If he had his ranch or his farm or his store or his plowed field, whatever, that was his. And he had dominion. He could run the, he could run the potential things out of there that would have ruined his crop. So that's dominion in itself. But we stand in a different level of dominion. We have the dominion through the name of Jesus Christ. We've inherited all this. So let's talk about that just a little bit. You know, we talk basically... In faith circles, we tend to hang out on Mark 11, and there's a reason for that, but I got to think about Mark 11, 23, 24, and so on. You know, we we know it starts with 22, when Jesus said, have the God kind of faith, have faith in God, have his kind of faith, which was the speaking kind of faith. But then he says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea but does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Well, where does he get the power to say that? Where did he get that? You know, it's like, okay, there's something special then here involved with the fact that you can speak to a mountain. Well, that's basically expressing your authority and your dominion. You start hearing this word, and then you get out amongst people, and it's easy to be confused. And the confusion rests in, 
well, do I pray to God and ask Him this, or do I command things? Right? I mean, that that's always can be a question. Well, we look here in verse 24, then, moving into that. We say, we see there, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. So you see, 23 has to do with authority and dominion. And the question would be, over what? But number but 24 has to do with provision. Now that can be provision for you or for somebody else or just something. Now what does provision entail? Well, basically, provision would tail, entail everything that God has provided for us. 23, on the other hand, uh, because it's, it has to do with authority and dominion. Now, this may not have confused you, but for me it did for a while. Because when I began to learn about faith, I, I picked up on this right away. I saw many, many signs and wonders over taking authority over situations. But I got around other uh, people that, no, they said, you have to ask God to do all that. Well, for a while it rocked me because I thought, well, there's people that's been in this, you know, they've been Christians for 20 years or 30 years, and, and I've only been in this thing a couple years, and I'm getting results, but they're telling me maybe I shouldn't be so you know, taking so much authority. Can you see the confusion? And then others say, well, you know, you faith people, you're always commanding God. Well, this didn't say to command God. It says to take authority over mountains. Well, what's a mountain? It's basically anything that would interfere with your life or your spouse's life or your friend's life or for your nation or your state. It's saying we can speak to those things out of the authority and dominion that he gave us because we're right there next to the Lord. Now, in fact, you, you know this. Uh, as a review, slip over to, uh, uh, to, to Ephesians. Just slip over there for a minute. Ephesians 1. And we just, just to reiterate, just to, just to refresh uh, where, we, where we are with all this, we find out here, we find out here in, in the first chapter that, in verse 20, where he, which God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which has come. And he's put all things under his feet. Well, jump ahead a minute. Go down to verse chapter 2, verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly place in, in Christ Jesus. Now last week we talked about this and I used an illustration that if, if God the Father, the Creator, the Omnipotent One, were here in this room and He decided to sit in that chair right there, it's the epicenter of the entire universe. That's it. And it said right here in this other chair to his right was where he placed Jesus Christ. Now it doesn't say then that we were raised up to sit in this other chair. It says that we're raised up together with him. We join him in that chair. Now this gives us a basis for who we are. If we need to get a hold of anything to really walk this out and see some of the powerful things that are coming down and also for us our ability to speak to these mountains we need to get a hold of this. We're seated right there in the same chair together with him. Am I right or wrong? Right. That's what it says. So if it says it, 
then that's the way it is. So we, we get a hold of this and we say, wow, we do have a place. We are right there. We're right there according to what it psalms. We're created just a little lower than Elohim. And through the blood of Jesus, we're drawn into that body of strength and power dominion. He said, behold, I give you authority over all power of the enemy. So what's a mountain? It's anything that, you, anything that needs to be dealt with. And you know, if you get on into a prayer life, and those mountains are things God can bring to you for somebody else. I'm sure that many of us have experienced a, something dropping in our heart of a need for someone else. And, and it's, of course, it's one of the keys of growth, too. Uh, one of those keys of moving on is being available uh, when God needs prayer for somebody else. But also, it's, there's, there's a two-step thing here. First of all, getting yourself established, taking care of your home front, in the meantime, you're reaching out to others. So then now we move into, so that's our authority. It's us to take it. Illustrating, fairly young in faith, I had a situation. We were in the uh, aerial spraying business at that time. I, I, had a, I had to be away working another job. I had a pilot go out and spray a very sensitive crop of soybeans. If you know anything about farming soybeans, they're like tomato plants. Very sensitive to any kind of chemicals that aren't designed for them. Well, without getting into a lot of depth of it, there was a mistake in cleaning out the airplane. My pilot went out there, uh, sprayed him with an insecticide, which had been fine, but there was a little other stuff that didn't get cleaned out of the airplane, even though it went through the process. I had to figure out later how it happened. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I go out there. I'm home for a few days, and I get a call from my friend, and he said, Gary, you killed my soybeans. And I didn't want to hear that, not because it was just soybeans. It was one of my good high school friends, and it was a seed crop, which means... It was a small, like 50 acres, but the seed alone had cost him $15,000. I mean, that's a little scary, isn't it? Well, I went out there, and we walked around. He was a Christian. I knew that, but I didn't know if he was a Christian like me, okay? <laughs> Let's put it that way. And so he went back to the house. We departed, shook hands, and it was no hard feelings. I just said, well, we'll just, you know, we'll just have to pray about this, see what happens. And, and of course, I was distressed because I knew... I didn't have the money it was going to take to pay for that crop. But after he left, I just simply took authority. But I bound up the devil. I said, in Jesus' name, you can't have this crop. Now, when you're looking at a soybean crop, and they've got these little runners that go across and cross-pollinate, they were like shriveled up. <laughs> they were like dead. I, 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 can't, I can't tell you how I felt. So anyway, I just did that, and I said, well, Lord, I, I just thank you for restoring this crop. And that's as simple as it was. I go home, and uh, a month or two later, I'm sitting in my office. Phone rings. It's my friend. He said, Gary, when are you going to send me the bill? I said, well, Art, you know, I, I, uh, we hurt those soybeans. He said, no, you didn't. He said, we just harvested a few days ago, and... and my wife and I had agreed on what we wanted for a harvest, and then we got that much, and I'd like to pay you for it. <laughs> and I just thank you, Lord. But it's an example of taking authority over things that you would never think of. 
know, a lot of times as believers, we get so passive about that. Oh, gosh, isn't that too bad? Well, if it's too bad, let's, take a, let's do something about it. You know, let's use our faith. Let's, let's do something with this thing and get some fruit out of it. But on the other side of the coin, we have a verse uh, 24 that says, Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So there's provisions in there. Now, when it comes to healing, uh, we, we have to figure that one out. What, what's wrong with your body? Is it full of scabs? Well, speak to the scabs. Well, that's a dumb dumb way to say it, but if something that's not supposed to be in your body, like cancer, or like rheumatoid arthritis, or like whatever, uh, aches and pains, hey, we have a provision for that, right? He carried our pains. So we have a provision to knock them out of there. We have to look at it like that. That's an enemy to my life right there. Or if my wife is in, or my kids, or whatever it is, whatever it is, my, our friends, we have that authority. But on the other side of the coin, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. Now let's just go over to a, a scripture that probably most people wouldn't think of when teaching this, but let's go to Matthew 6. This would be extremely familiar to everybody here. Matthew 6, 9. And you'll recognize it right away as the Lord's Prayer. But you know what? If Jesus prayed it, wouldn't he pray the will of God? Is that how you'd look at this? Well, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy, your name. Your kingdom come. What's it? Verse, in verse 10, it says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, when we're isolating things, And trying to figure out if it's God's will or not, when it comes to like healing, deliverance, he's saying, I want, I want the will to be the same in he here as it is in heaven. So you have to ask yourself, is there any sickness in heaven? No, people, people talk about, hey, let's, let's go to heaven and be freed up. There's no sickness up there. And some people think the only way you'll get healed is if you go to heaven. Well, that's one way, but it's not the way I would choose. But it tells you how to isolate what is God's will. Well, there's a lot of other ways of looking at what might be going on in heaven. But one thing, uh, you know one thing, there's a, there's a plenty of everything. I mean, <laughs> the streets of gold and plenty of prosperity. I mean, there's no lack in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's nothing there. So Jesus is saying, look... Uh, Look, this is what I want. This is how I'm praying. I want you to pray. Ask His will to be a part of your life. So, when we go back over to Mark eleven twenty three here, we want to pray according to His will, don't we? What is His will? Provision. His will is abundant provision. What did Jesus say? The thief has come but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But He said, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. So, that's His will. We more or less want to be ourselves the express image of His will. We want to rock around like we're, we're really in His will and we know what His will is. You know, I thought about the aspects of faith a little bit too. You know, it's a couple aspects of faith. And one of them is having faith. And that would include knowledge of His will and so on. The other one be, would be expressing your faith. So you can have faith, you know, you walk around, you may be ministering to somebody, you talk about faith, and they may say, well, I have faith. I have faith. 
Well, perhaps they do, but see, there's a, an expression of faith that's even more important than saying, I have it. <laughs> Basically, those two things, you might say, they're, they're what you say and what you do. Both of them are an action, but, but you know, if you, you are, you're issuing your faith, and maybe I issued a little wrong statement about the, the soybeans, I don't know, because I believed it when I set my faith, but when my friend called me, I still was kind of thinking, well, maybe I hurt those soybeans. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of my own pocketbook probably. But, uh, but see, God took care of the whole thing. He not only took care of the problem by issuing faith. But see, if you don't issue that faith, you'll never get it. People want to say, well, I have faith. Why hasn't God done something? Well, what, you know, have you expressed that with what you say or how you act, you know? It's kind of like there's a saying in, in sales. It says, it's not what you say, it's how you feel about what you say. You know, it's, a, it's an old sales uh, marketing expression, but it has a lot to do with where we're at. You know, and, and sometimes I've had people comment, you know, like, when I teach, you don't get a one, two, three, four, five. You know, it's not like a formula. Because it isn't a formula. It's getting this anchored in your heart and then expressing it. Amen? Amen. These, are, these are real real keys because they make such a difference in how we get results or, in fact, that we get results. And, of course, uh, there's so much can be taught about what we say, but still... Our, what we say needs to line up with what we believe. And I think that's something we can do continually is monitor our own, our own speech. You know, I, there's not a one of us in the room that's not believing for something. And so the issue then are, are what we're saying and what we're doing, is that lining up with our desires? Because if it's not, we're not going to get any results. And, and the other thing is, uh, let's go to John. Let's go to John, some, some things here. Now, in, verse, in chapter 15 in John, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Okay, and who desires? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what who desires. What you desire. What do you desire? And so when we're issuing our faith, we have to get right down and keep the religion out of our life. And if there's something we desire, we need to ask for it. And of course, been around a while, had some teaching on this, you know uh, that by our asking for it, that's a power all by itself. You know if Jesus were sitting right here and he stood up and he'd say, this is what I desire, we'd figure that moved heaven, didn't it? Wouldn't we? But we're seated together with him. We, we've got that same power with his name. If we desire something and we set a request before it, it's going to move heaven, is it not? And it's the consistency then for us to stay with it. Slip over to Philippians for a minute. Philippians chapter 4. And before we get into 4, let's back up to 3, 
verse 20 because it flows really well. So chapter 3 of Philippians, verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So our citizenship is in heaven. So when we begin to go after things, we're talking basically from a heavenly voice. And I can prove that in Colossians here in a minute. But anyway, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Common scripture flows with Mark eleven twenty four. It's more or less a reiteration of how we believe. Be anxious, and there's other words could be used in that, for nothing. That means we don't let anything bother us, but what we do is we take an action step. We get on it. We don't just idly sit by and say, oh, man, that's too bad. Man, I hate to see that storm coming. You know, There's so many things we can say, but we can also take authority over the storm. We can also then do what this says by prayer and supplication. Well, what is supplication? Supplication is really simple. Go to the Lord and say, look, this is why we need this. You know, religious minds won't allow for that kind of thought, but it's true. Supplication means, uh, Lord, we, we need this. My sister needs this right now. She needs a new car or whatever it is. She needs more groceries. Well, why? Well, she's got children. She's hungry, and she needs food. Well, that's simple, but it's a supplication. Stand up for it. You know, God wants to hear from us. And there's something about when we do this that, again, releases the power of heaven behind it. Why? Because that's the way it's set up. I don't know how it works. You don't know how it works. I just know it works because that's what Jesus said to do. Sometimes we just do what we're told, right? Isn't that obedience? Rather than trying to figure it out, you know, some, that's one of the destroyers of faith. People try to figure it out. Well, how, how's God going to do that? Well, I guess he's got that figured out or he wouldn't tell us in his word, right? That sounds kind of simple. But anyway, so be anxious for nothing. And not only that, he says, in everything, everything. Everything. Don't let things pass. Uh, if, if I see a little bit of an enemy to faith, maybe you're getting things done, it's maybe in my personal life, sometimes I let things slide, you know. I'm no faith hero. I've let things slide. And then wake up one day and say, why'd you let that slide? You know, well, it's, it's on me because I didn't do anything about it. I heard a testimony of a, one of my favorite faith teachers, and he, he simply talked about, you know, they were busy, they were traveling, they were doing some things, and he said something went through his heart uh, about uh, somebody, and he was trying to figure out what it was, and it turned out it was a niece. And the bottom line is he didn't stop what he was doing. And this, if I mention his name, he, he's Mr. He would be big. But he didn't stop what he was doing and say, what was that all about? Well, the next thing you know, he finds out his niece was in the car wreck, and uh, before it was all over, she died. And so he was saying, I, I let that thing pass. And he, he still felt bad about it. And this guy had been in the ministry 40 years then, <laughs> teaching faith. But he messed up. It went through him. It was there. But anyway, then in verse 7, if we do this, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. 
Don't you know you take action instead of being anxious or letting fear come in? Uh, we talk, talk about fear once in a while, but anxiety's got to do with fear. If, you're, if you have anxiety run along, you don't need a pill, an anti-anxiety pill. You just need to speak to that spirit of fear, right? That's a mountain. It's one of the biggest mountains that keep people out of where they're at. Spirit of fear. Do we have authority over fear? Of course we do. How do you take authority over fear? You look fear in the eye, say, fear, I don't receive you. Simple. But until you speak it out, nothing happens. And we do that, of course, in the name of Jesus. But I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. How many words is that? Take care of all the anxiety in the world. Because the spirit of fear is just something there to destroy you and keep you off balance, keep you from faith. And here it says, don't have fear about anything. You could say that. Don't have fear about anything. And in everything, everything, every detail, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request moan to God. Anyway, in the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I wrote this down. Faith is the boldness to say what you believe. That's what faith is. Sometimes we have to go out on a limb. And the other thing that we have to do in guarding what we say is don't modify what you say because your best friend's having coffee with you. Don't modify where you're at no matter where you're at. If the devil has a way of talking, talking us out of our faith, it's when we're around people that we know and we don't know where they're at and we don't want to blow them away, so, you know, we compromise something. Well, you might just as well get a big old three-by-five card carried around with you, and every time that happens, it says, gotcha, because the evil one just got you. He got you to say something you don't believe to compromise with your friends. You can say, Gary, that's good preaching. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Well, hallelujah. Well, we've covered some ground here that I think is pretty, pretty vital. You know, I get to think we talk about philosophic things like dominion and power. They're not philosophic. They're, they're real. But at the same time, sometimes we have to learn how to apply this faith. Bring it to the ground. Get the rubber on the road. And, and once we do that, we're going to see a lot of results. When we're talking about basic things, and I want to reiterate, it is not a formula. Now, I know that, that uh, in John 16, 23, very familiar, Jesus said, In that day you'll ask me nothing, most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy may be full. Now, to me, that's not a formula. Just since we are on this, by going back to this, it does give us a slight formula. Our power is in that name. Jesus. And so... Jesus is just saying, look, from now on, you ask the big guy. You ask the Father. 
but your access is through my name. Amen? But the cool thing is now we're part of that name. We wear that name. That's our entrance. Why? We're seated together with him in heavenly places, are we not? We're seated together with him. We are right there. I alluded to Colossians a few minutes ago, but I love Colossians 3, verse 1. starts up here. My has a little highlight. It says the position of the believer. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's also speaking of aspects of the rapture there. But it really drives home the fact that we are one with Jesus. We are his body. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the rest of the body. In the spirit realm and heavenly realm, we're, we're just, we're just, we're one. So again, it gives us an idea why we can issue these, these authorities, why we can, why we can command these things. Because in a way, and not, it's more than just a way, it's exactly as though Jesus were doing it himself. Because we haven't borrowed it, we are engrafted into all that same dominion and authority. Elevates the mind. I, I stress it quite a bit because if there was something I could impress on t hundreds of thousands of believers that don't understand this, we'd change our nation. They just understood our position with this. God set us here, even in this nation. He set us here to make changes. He set us here to, to dominate this nation. We've let it slip. We've been complacent as a body of Christ, as believers. Uh, we've been shoved out of the way with people that said, no, they, they know everything. We should just stay hidden in our little religious groups and, and we'll be just fine. They'll, you know, they'll take care of us and all this. But see, that isn't the way it is. The way it is is that God gave us this nation for sure. And we're to protect it. Now that slips a little past you and I and the, and the crops that got hurt, but it all works in the same realm. There's times, as believers, we might be laying in bed trying to go to sleep, and God may bring us an issue that would, that would totally affect this entire nation. And the worst thing we can do, it may not be that big, but it could. You know, in the Old Testament, he said, I look for an intercessor. He only needed one. To stand in the gap. What if we're that one right here with this nation? What if, what if we know there's a lot of intercessors out there, but what if there was something so vital that he laid on your heart about that time you really wanted to go to sleep? But if you'd get back up and say, No, I'm going to take that as a warning, I'm going to take it as something he wants me to do, and I'm going to, I'm going to speak to that thing right now in Jesus' name. And drive it out of here. I will guarantee you if that happens, heaven's behind it. Now, you may not see results right away. And that's another thing we have to watch out for. If we're so 
if we're so determined that we have to see something right away, we might lose then too, or then we, you know, we can wake up in the morning and you can almost be assured that the evil one is going to say, well, you didn't hear from God. You didn't hear anything. That was just all your, your flesh. You didn't hear a thing. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a voice you want to dismiss right away. Because if God laid it on your heart, you're born again child of God, children of God. You have the Holy Spirit working in your life. You have the helper, the promise of the Father. He lays something on your heart, however faint it is, just stand up and take care of it and go back to sleep. Because whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like, ooh, we, we've got some more uh, things to take authority of over here. We've been letting some things pass, you know, that we shouldn't be. So praise God. Well, Father, we thank you for the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, anchoring this Word in our hearts, Lord, and giving us the impetus, Father, to step into it and the confidence, Father, this confidence, Father, that you've given us this hope and this faith, and we join the faith people, Father. We thank you that 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 faith is a is just the the evidence and it's the evidence we need when we issue our faith it's the evidence father that things will change and things will happen to your favor and thank you father for your will working in our lives right now in jesus name amen